Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm the host you shouldn't feed after midnight, Javi. <laughs> and uh, this is a bonus episode that we're doing because I guess uh, since, you know, it's Christmas and really because both of us just happened to watch Gremlins within the same week, <laughs> we decided to do a second episode on it. So Yeah, uh, it's the season of giving, so we're going to give you all more content. What's good? So yeah, this week we're doing the 1984 movie Gremlins, and uh, it's funny that the other episode that we recorded for this week, we talk about uh, Home Alone, which is a movie that was directed by Chris Columbus. Friend of the show, we're making that kid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, he actually wrote the screenplay for this. The director is Joe Dante, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's this really is maybe my favorite christmas movie <laughs> i think uh yeah it, i think it actually really has to be and i don't and it really just started becoming a yearly tradition by accident like it only happened because of course you know <laughs> because we're hispanic a lot of us tend to celebrate christmas on christmas eve so typically Christmas Day is a day where nobody really does much of anything, right? Yeah, like it's the... kind of bizarre where <laughs> we'll have friends that are like with their family. And then there was one year I went day drinking like on <laughs> Christmas Day. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, so it's like I literally had nothing to do. Uh, my parents and my like everyone was in another room in the house. And I was just like, well, I was like, might as well watch Gremlins. <laughs> and I just like watched it. And I enjoyed it so much that I literally just kind of started making it a Christmas season tradition to watch that movie at least once a year. Along with the uh, Christmas episode of Batman the Animated Series? Yes, absolutely. I think if we, if we could do an episode one year on like Christmas comfort movies and... Christmas with the Joker from Batman the Animated Series is very much a Christmas comfort for me. For uh, you and maybe like a couple of Bruce Tim fans, <laughs> all of them in their 40s. Oh, okay, cool. Whatever, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking shit. I love Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim's the shit. But the anim- Batman the Animated Series does have a uh, older, you know, crowd that loves it. I eat you. Uh, this movie revolves around the Peltzer family. Uh, they are a family who lives in a town called Kingston Falls, uh, which, you know, it's very nebulous where this place is. Um, it seems to be some sort of like East Coast suburban town. Is there a Midwest um, to me? Like, it feels like it could be in Indy. It feels like it can be in Ohio. It feels like it could be anywhere, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah, realistically, it can be in lots of places, but for some reason, I, I think East Coast. But and funny enough, too, like the set that they use for the for the city of Kingston Falls is actually the same set that they use for Hill Valley and Back to the Future. <laughs> so, like some of the uh, areas of the set, you know, they they look pretty similar to me. By the way, hey Javi, what was your experience with the movie? Oh, thanks for asking, Javi. I appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, word? Yeah, word. (laughs) Anyway, to answer the question that I had to ask myself because uh, my co-host hates me, uh, I guess my experience actually started with Furby. Do you remember those bastards? 
Do you remember those nightmare machines and how much they used to like ruin your childhood? Well, it was literally in the 90s, the most like one year, it was legitimately the most popular toy. And people were literally like fighting each other on Black Friday to get it. Now, what a, for those who don't know what a Furby was, is it was this little animatronic creature that like it, it sounded like Gizmo does in this movie but they were a little bit more bird-like in some of their features and big old eyes big old bird eyes and they would say the weirdest creepiest things and everyone had the habit of going off at like two or three in the morning well and if you know i'm gonna blow the lid on on something that my wife tells me all the time for everyone to hear but my wife swears up and down that the Furby that she had growing up, uh, it that she swears that it like would still make sounds and do stuff even when there was no batteries inside of it. Yeah, does your brother-in-law have like a terrible fear of Furbies now <laughs> because of that <laughs> like demonic Furby they had as a kid? Again, you said little light, little nightmare machines. <laughs> they are, dude. But I remember my sister got one. Someone got my sister one or something. I forgot how we came up on one. I think my sister got one. Uh one Christmas. And she goes, Oh, it's like uh she's like, it's like Gizmo. And I was like, Who's Gizmo? And she goes, It's from Gremlins. You never seen Gremlins? And I was like, No, I think at this point I'm like five, six years old. And so we went down to Blockbuster, but back when Blockbuster was a thing, it was like, you know, this was the day after Christmas Day. We went, she rented it, and we watched it. And I was like, oh, you can have a funny horror movie? <laughs> because I'm not going to lie, Gremlins as a kid is a fucking terrifying movie. <laughs> and as we dissect this movie in this episode, we're going to see that there's a lot of dark shit that happens throughout the film for it to be, a, uh, you know, even in a family-friendly film. But it was the first time I saw a horror movie that I wasn't really super scared of. And that kind of really stuck with me. And I think it's really influenced a lot of my taste in horror movies and like, you know, the genre in general, how much I love uh, horror comedies. Um, Yeah. So the other thing about this, too, that we probably should make a mention of is Gremlins is actually the reason why the PG-13 rating exists on movies these days. Mm hmm. Yeah, also, uh, yeah, to get us back on track, so talking about Kingston Falls, this weird town, for a minute, I'm not gonna lie, for a minute I thought this took place in like every town, California, USA, mostly because of Chinatown, and that's because, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm, because of our experience here in the Bay, anytime I think of China, anytime a movie talks about Chinatown, I just assume it's San Francisco's Chinatown. Well, the Chinatown in this one, I think, is New York, which is why I said I think this feels like an East Coast city to me. I mean, I guess, whatever. <laughs> but, and, and so he, you know, so Mr. Peltzer is obviously in a city that's far away from Kingston Falls. And also just the name Kingston Falls is a, it, it to me, it feels like a reference uh, to uh, Bedford Falls from It's a Wonderful Life, which is another like regular movie in my Christmas rotation. <laughs> and there's a couple different, uh, there's a couple different references to that. One of them is obviously the name Bedford Falls. Uh, the Billy character very much seems like Jimmy Stewart's character in It's a Wonderful Life, a guy who kind of like is 
seems to be like stuck in his hometown and kind of shackled uh taking care of everybody else around him and you get the impression that he wishes he he was doing more with his life at this point um and the other one and and the last one is you know the fact that mrs deagle is the character is the evil character in this like the evil rich landlady who like <laughs> apparently ruins everyone else's lives is you mean very... mrs scrooge mcduck over there yeah <laughs> she's actually like completely the exact same character as mr potter from it's a wonderful life except this movie it it deals with the mr potter problem in a much more satisfying fashion <laughs> through hilarious murder <laughs> right because in it's a wonderful life Mr. Potter is is only defeated uh, by the kindness of the other people in the town uh, for George Bailey. Whereas in this one, <laughs> Mrs. Deagle is actually going to be murdered by Little Green Man. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> so I guess the the name of the film Gremlins comes from an old like folklore from uh world war ii where uh royal air force pilots or like just british royal air force like enlistees anytime there was some sort of like machine malfunction or any problems with the planes they always blamed it on these gremlins and that uh they're just these little little i don't know what to call them little people that would go around and be all mischievous and ruin stuff um, so that's pretty much the the uh, inspiration. Like these fo- like these uh, folkloric tales became the inspiration for the movie that we were that we're, we're going to be watching today, right? Or that we are going to be dissecting today. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and get into the plot of this movie. Um, so again, it starts off in Chinatown, as as you said and I said. Um, Mr. Pelter yeah, is in this. I said it better though. <laughs> uh rand i guess rand peltzer uh who is i guess he is some sort of failed inventor who like all of his inventions are really awful and the running joke in the entire movie is that (laughs) they make everything worse (laughs) he reminds me of remember that episode of the simpsons where homer was inspired by thomas edison to be an inventor (laughs) Yes, only because one of, like, I swear, the funniest gag in The Simpsons, like, for me, the one thing that'll without fail make me laugh for five minutes is Homer Simpson shooting Marge with a shotgun full of makeup. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Marge. I, what was it? I'm sorry, Marge. I had the shotgun set to whore. <laughs> oh, my God. Anytime I think of Randy Pelton, or Peltzer, sorry. Uh, I just think of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer just comes up with useless inventions. (laughs) And uh, so he goes into the... uh, He goes into this, I guess it's some sort of... (laughs) How do I say it? An Asian-like goods store? Some sort of Asian! (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in there, he is talking to the owner and I guess his either grandson or nephew and um it's mr wing and his grandson yeah and and while he's in there i guess he's like looking at different what rand is really trying to do is get them to sell his invention Mm -hmm. uh but it obviously they're not interested in the device that he's going to be selling and what he ends up doing by accident is stumbling upon the mogwai which is uh (laughs) which i guess is a 
Cantonese word for devil. <laughs> it's super on the nose. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the Mogwai likes to sing a song that, like, is very recognizable, and you could whistle it and sing it all you want. Um, and, you know, I guess he wants them to sell him the Mogwai. And he's, he's willing to pay a lot of money for it. Uh, but of course, Miss, what did you call him? Mr. Wing? Mr. Wing, yeah. Yeah, so Mr. Wing refuses to sell the Mogwai. Um, and his son is like the one who secretly ends up selling it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's the grandson. He's able to, he kind of sneaks, uh, he sneaks the Mogwai over to Randy. And of course, they give him the, the important rules to the Mogwai. That you don't get him wet. Um, get them, keep them away from direct sunlight. They, yeah, and they can never, ever eat after midnight. So remember those three rules, audience, because that's going to come back and, you know, it comes back a lot in this movie for obvious reasons. So, uh, Randall ends up going back to Kingston Falls and he gives, uh, the, the, the Mogwai to Billy as a gift um you know he opens it right away and he reveals that it's a pet for him and he names the mogwai gizmo uh so billy i don't know they never really say his age he's supposed to be in his early 20s kind of like in that coming of age to like graduating college but of course it's the 80s and no one went to college if you didn't need to but essentially he works at this bank and he's not really like like, I don't want to call him a loser. Like, I don't think he is that, but he's definitely no. one of those guys that's, like, he's, like, stuck in the town he grew up with, he grew up in, and kind of wants to do more, right? Yeah. Um, he's we, very, it's, it, again, as I said, if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, he is he is kind of a George Bailey character, and George Bailey is that kind of guy. He's a guy who, except George Bailey uh, runs a building and loan, and his his entire purpose in the movie is to keep people from renting from Mr. Potter. So it's not exactly the same thing, but it's absolutely what Billy is in a character. He's someone who's good-natured. Everyone seems to like him. You know, his neighbors like to talk to him. The girl that he works with likes to talk Katie. She likes to talk to him. Yeah, um, she does. <laughs> but googly eyes more than working over there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but he's got his dog that cares about him. But much like you said, he, he's he's very much living this protracted adolescence. And it seems like he'll never be able to escape this town because Rand, all he does is uh, try to sell failed inventions. And mm -hmm. Billy is, for all intents and purposes, the main breadwinner in that family. <laughs> yeah, pretty much he's keeping his family afloat. And it's hard for Billy because Billy's trying to be the good son while still kind of like doing his own thing, trying to grow up and move on. Um, especially when he sees guys like, uh, what's his name, Gerald, the, uh, the assistant manager at the bank. Mm -hmm. who's like maybe around the same age as billy but this guy's always talking about how much he, how much money he makes and how he, he's set to become the new bank manager and that he's going to be moving up to a corporate job and whatnot and that he's going to be uh making like six figures before he's even 30 and he's just like your prototypical like 80s douchebag <laughs> He's just like this 80s business douche and although he never really does anything to like 
to real like to to antagonize Billy. Like he's not he's not one of these like eighties bullies characters. He's just one of those guys that's around that you're just like, oh my god, like leave the poor <laughs> he, kid alone. Shit. He, he feels like he feels like the James Spader character in all the eighties teen movies. <laughs> and uh, I that's guess a good the, way of putting it. Yeah, the actor's name is Judge Reinhold, and he has like this the quality about him where he very much feels like james spader's characters in less than zero and pretty in pink except less homicidal than he is in less than zero but um yeah in this scene we get introduced to him we get introduced to the act the, the standing bank manager and billy i guess brings his dog but before he gets to the bank you also get introduced to his neighbor mr futterman who is i guess some sort of He's a World War II veteran who's very xenophobic <laughs> and doesn't want anything that isn't made in America. And uh, he's actually the one who who talks about gremlins in the plot before gremlins show up later. Oh, 80s folksy racism. You gotta love it, right? <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, if you ever watch Gremlins 2, uh, Gremlins 2 definitely softens his character up. <laughs> oh, Gremlins 2 softens a lot of things from this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gremlins 2 deserves its own podcast because uh, it legitimately feels like a movie in a completely different universe. But anyway, back to introduced to Daffy. <laughs> anyway, back to Gremlins one. Uh, we have Mrs. Deagle that shows up at the bank. Um, she like this threatens. She threatens to murder uh, Billy's dog, who's with him. She doesn't uh, do it just once, by the way. She does this like this is like her character arc. She's constantly threatening Billy's dog in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be like, "Oh, did you bring the dog today?" And he's like, "No, Mrs. Deagle." And she goes, "Good." Because if I saw that dog, I'd skin him alive in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so oh, the dog man. actually attacks her in the bank. And uh, she's like, you know, oh, my heart, all this. And, you know, gets away with everything that she wants in that town. And there's even like a scene where she's talking to a family outside. where They're talking about they don't have any money left. And, uh, <laughs> and like how they're getting evicted for Christmas and stuff like that. And it's like, yep, she is absolutely like late stage capitalism personified have you tried not being poor <laughs> no mrs deagle i haven't tried that oh my god i hate that i'm gonna bring this up but i saw a meme the other day, and i think i shared it with you there was like a meme that i saw in a facebook group <laughs> where they talked about how gremlin seems to essentially be the covid story whereas like uh it's something that comes from an asian country it's uh, something that Americans, like, all they have to do is follow simple rules to keep it under control, and they're incapable of doing so, so it ends up spreading through an entire town. USA! USA! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's freaking ridiculous. And that's true! It is actually a very fitting yeah. allegory. <laughs> oh man, so after... You know, after the 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 dog attacked um, Mrs. Deagle, uh, Billy almost gets fired uh, with th- with thanks to Gerald. And this is why I say Gerald isn't a complete uber douche. Thanks to Gerald, supposedly he says that he kept uh, he kept, helped uh, Billy keep his job. Um, you know, he it, 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 he's just 
like I was saying, I don't think he's one of those bully characters. He's just a total douche. He tries to hit on uh, he tries to hit on Katie in front of uh, Billy, but like Katie's just having none of it because she's just like I am just not into this guy. <laughs> we also learn that Katie is you know like yeah they have a very amicable relationship. Her and Billy, she works two jobs, also working at the local bar where all the all the I guess locals go hang out and go have a beer after work. Yeah, along with Mr. Futterman, who literally drives, <laughs> who drunkenly drives a tractor from his house to this bar in like a snowstorm. Gotta love the 80s, man. Back when like drunk driving wasn't even a thing. Like you're just kind of hanging out and you can get shit faced and then drive five miles to your house, taking out every car on the way, but it's fine. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. But anyway, um, so Billy ends up going back home and he's taking care of uh, he's taking care of the Mogwai Gizmo, who like, I think I mentioned that earlier, that by now he's already given him a name. And I forget exactly how Gizmo gets wet. Like I think it was uh, when he was when Billy was hanging out with his uh, neighbor friend that was played by. Yeah, it's the one thing that's kind of like it's it's kind of like the Back to the Future thing where they never explain how Marty and Doc are friends. Yeah. Similar, similarly, like the movie never explains why uh, Billy is friends with Corey Feldman. Yeah, <laughs> who was very much like a child at this time. Yeah, because Corey's like what, maybe like nine years old. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I guess his dad is like the guy who owns the Christmas tree lot. So, because the way that he ends up at Billy's house is he's delivering their Christmas tree to them. Oh, that's right. Okay, that makes sense. It makes so, yeah. sense that that's the first time they hang out together, but it doesn't make sense why they're always hanging out together after that. They only hang out like seven more scenes after that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Billy's showing Pete uh, Gizmo, and then Pete ends up spilling water on Gizmo, which then spawns like five other uh, gremlins. Well, Mogwai, sorry. It's really important that we there's a distinction between gremlins. Gremlins are the gross lizard like monster things. Mogwai are the cute little gizmo looking things. So they spawn the Mogwai, and they're little mischievous ones. There's one that very clearly has a striped mohawk, and you can tell he's kind of a little bit of a shit starter. Yep, it's um, striped. Yep, good old stripe. And that he's pretty much becomes our antagonist later in the film. But, um, you know, like, at this point, Peter and Billy, I don't know why I switched their names, but Billy <laughs> wants to learn more about the Mogwai and where they come from. So he ends up bringing uh, Gizmo to the local, I think it was the high school? They yeah, go, to an old teacher. Yeah, so that they can talk to, the, to Billy's old science teacher, and he tries to show him the Mogwai. Uh, he runs, he does the water experiment again, which by the way, totally fucking like super cruel to like put Gizmo through that pain all over again. Look, there is, there are several problems with how the characters in this movie treat the Mogwai. Um, one of them is the fact that Rand, because he's never had a, uh, you know, a successful invention ever decide that he's literally just gonna rebrand the mogwais as a peltzer pet 
that's right so there's like there's there's a lot of commentary about appropriation there and then the other one is just the fact that once they find out that this is how mogwai multiply they have absolutely no problem like drawing blood from them you know torturing and scaring them (laughs) for the purpose of just trying to find out what they are we have an endless supply of mogwai which we will now sell (laughs) it's so crazy and yeah when they you know when they uh go through when they start putting the the mogwai through the experiments it's just like the the what's his name uh mr hansen the teacher he's just like he has zero problem like starting to cut into this little creature he's just like let's cut him open so i can look at his brain Uh, but he ends up learning a bunch of experiments to try to find out uh, about the uh, more about the Mogwai. Uh, back at home, though, the the gang ends up tricking. Uh, well, the gang of Mogwai, led by Stripe, end up tricking Billy into feeding him after or feeding them after midnight, which then puts him in this weird cocoon phase. And as it turns out, the Mogwai that was with Mister Hansen does the same thing ends up eating after mid- midnight and they start going through this metamorphosis where they have these really gross looking like cocoons that uh, that I can only describe as like the eggs from aliens and it's like very, very it's, lizard-like. Yeah, it's very Geiger-esque like the, the, the design they chose for the cocoons for these creatures um, but then when when they finally do come out of the cake, the cocoons like you saying they they're very they're very lizard like they have these long limbs and they just have the goofy looking face like with scales on them and shit uh, they all have that um, <laughs> the hilarious like <laughs> laugh they have that little titter um, and although you think they're there to just cause little general panic and little you know like they're just being little stinkers and whatnot uh we find out that they actually have zero problems with murder as we find out when billy runs over and tries to save mr hansen and we find out that he's been stabbed with a syringe by the (laughs) in his ass oh my god (laughs) which is like that's supposed to be the part that's the comedy part right it's yes he was stabbed with the syringe but of course it's in his ass cheek (laughs) it's in his butt cheek so it's fine (laughs) but uh right after that what we do get uh, is the cocoons back at the pelter house are also beginning to hatch Mm -hmm. and from there we get maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie you mean when lynn pelter goes full-on ash williams from the evil dead and like (laughs) murders all of them before that only because like okay so one of my favorite christmas songs to listen do is do you hear what i hear mm-hmm. and the first time i've ever i'd ever heard that song it was from this movie so i can never listen to that song uh without thinking of this scene <laughs> of lynn pelter having to murder the gremlins that are in her kitchen and it's an awesome scene too like she's there with kitchen knives and it's like I, it, she stabs the one gremlin yeah, yeah. like she's, it's 
you know what it reminds me of? It, or it's hilarious because she uses all his um she uses all the all the inventions that Randall made that don't work at all, but she uses them to apparently their their job is to murder gremlins in cold blood. <laughs> yeah. But it reminds me very much. I don't know if you ever seen it, the Peter Jackson uh zombie movie um Brain Dead? No, I haven't. So there's this scene where like this mousy like the hero the protagonist is like this mousy nerdy dude and at one point like he, he, he like the most famous scene in the movie is that he grabs a lawnmower and then he uses the blade to just like murder like 40 zombies in like this one scene where it's like he's just covered in, in blood and viscera and shit but it's known because he uses like just these household items to fight off zombies that's what that scene reminded me of. It's just Lynn using anything she can grab her hands on. Like at one point, she like shoves one of the she shoves one of the gremlins in the blender where it gets <laughs> it gets cut up and you see the body spin in circles. She shoves another one in the Peltzer microwave and <laughs> you just see him explode. <laughs> I was like, how is this a family movie? This is fucking crazy. <laughs> It's funny too because in Gremlins 2, like they make a much goofier version of the kitchen attack in there where it's like Gremlins like throw pots into a microwave and it explodes <laughs> and like they get attacked with frying pans. Whereas, like, so it's like I always think about that goofier kitchen scene from Gremlins 2 that I forget like how like violent this was, <laughs> where Lynn Peltzer is like, as we said, literally stabbing Gremlins and like one of them, like jumps out of the tree and tries to use Christmas lights as garrote wire yeah. on her neck. It's 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 when I watch that, I'm like, okay, I understand why the censors were saying there's no possible way that we can make this a PG movie. And Billy decapitates that gremlin with the sword they have on the wall. Like I forgot that he kills a gremlin like that. Like yeah, it, it's 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 really jarring because you know you watch the movie and you're like, oh yeah, this is a cute little film. It's it's all about like, uh, what's it called? It's all about hijinks and mischief, and these gremlins aren't that bad. Of course, if the only frame of reference is if you saw the new batch first, you're like, oh yeah, this is a fun movie. It's like no, this one had some shit. This one had murder in it, like a lot of murder. And I think it's what makes this one better, obviously, right? Like this oh, one, totally. there was no, there, there was no, like, you know, there, there was no forward thinking that we're going to turn Gizmo into some sort of like pop icon, which I think he does become more in the second one. Like to the point where you and I were literally talking about the similarities of Gizmo and Grogu, the child from Mandalorian, right? Uh, You call him by his actual name, which is Baby Yoda, guy. <laughs> So uh, they end. So Stripe ends up escaping from what I can only call the Gremlin Massacre of '84. <laughs> <laughs> so Stripe makes his way to the local YMCA, and and Billy and uh, Gizmo chase after him, and he jumps into the swimming pool, which then spawns like this whole army of gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so get, this- like colored, multicolored lights everywhere in the pool. <laughs> And they immediately start like unleashing total chaos. All I over love the falls. scene where like Stripe is, you know, they they it's like claymation Stripe 
that is like walking on a on up like a hill like you know in one of the roads and then all the other claymate like go motion like gremlins are like just jumping and, and running behind him it's really an awesome image it is it's wild to see them like they're they break into cars they break into people's houses like this seems like the family friendly version of the scene from 30 days of night where the vampires like murder everyone in the town (laughs) they're attacking Corey feldman's character at his house except like he's like cutting the christmas lights and dropping them to their death and he he has no qualms sticking all of them (laughs) <laughs> they cut the line to the police like oh that's the other funny part like the sheriff and the deputy in charge on christmas eve are like getting shit faced at the station yeah <laughs> so when they like get a call to go attack gremlins they they uh or to go try to help people with gremlins they uh and uh like no, like they do not believe it at all mm-hmm. and they end up actually walking into the death scene or Mrs. Deagle's death scene, which I'll let you take over because I think you love that scene more than I do. <laughs> no, I mean to me, it's just it's 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 an awesome scene because again, this movie like does the same thing that It's a Wonderful Life does, except it literally gives you a much more crowd pleasing end. <laughs> Mrs. Deagle goes and sits in some chair that apparently, like it it, it it's an electronic like stair chair that like (laughs) that raises her up a spiral staircase to the second floor of her house and the gremlins basically start like so she's like coming down the staircase and they set it up when she's coming down and she hears what sounds like christmas carolers outside of her house and obviously because she's the (laughs) scrooge character that wants nothing to do with christmas she's gonna go like spray them on the water (laughs) she opens the door and it's gremlins with like earmuffs and hats like (laughs) they're singing christmas carols it's so stupid fucking love it there's that there's the scene there's the unfortunate scene with the futtermans where you know they i guess mr and mrs futterman are watching television and there's something that's going on with the satellite dish so mr futterman has to get up to see what's happening and finds that there are gremlins all over the roof and a bunch of gremlins that broke into his <laughs> his garage and they come out with the giant tractor that you know he was talking about how it was great american made tractor and nothing like that foreign crap <laughs> and before gremlins it is very clear that in this movie the gremlins kill him right <laughs> yeah i that's what i was gonna ask because I'm, i know we talked about or we mentioned it earlier and i remember watching the new batch and him being in that movie so i remember i saw him get run over by the tractor right and i'm just like he's super dead yeah <laughs> he, he doesn't appear at the end of this movie after the scene so you're just left to assume that him and his wife are super dead. <laughs> and and thankfully they do bring them back because I think in part two they really are like my they, they two of my favorite characters in that movie. So Yeah, I think he's the one that fights the uh gargoyle gremlin in that movie, isn't he? He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> but yeah, so the stairlift ends up shooting Mrs. Deagle in. <laughs> fuck with her chairlift and it just shoots Mrs. Deagle through the roof 
the window and shoots her out of the street. It feels like a Wizard of Oz moment, doesn't it? Where you just see like you just see like le- like her dr- like her in a full dress, like with her legs flailing, flying out a window. And the cops drive up, and they like you, you know they're in the headlights, and you just see her you just see her shoes on the seat. <laughs> Jesus, that was Mrs. Dill. <laughs> Freaking comedy, like I love, like I- I'm a huge fan of like ver- of like dark comedies and morbid humor, and this movie's really good for that. Like, yeah, movie- it's like- very much a dark humor movie, and it's really like to me watching it now, it's really awesome. And there's been lots of like rumblings here and there about a third Gremlin movie finally happening, um, and. I really think that this is such a good movie that there is no way that we can't have one more of these. I know they're doing an animated series for HBO Max, the so what is it, the Secret of the Mogwai? Mm-hmm. But I really want them to do another Gremlins movie because I think we were long overdue for more Gremlins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is just such an awesome concept. And again, like especially if they can do it in the style of the original movie, which had a lot of this really funny dark humor. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, one, there's also a load of gremlins that have shown up at the bar that Katie is now working at, and that's where we get like all the flash dance gremlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get the jazz gremlin. <laughs> there's and- the gremlin they're playing poker, and then when uh, one of them beats. <laughs> When one of them beats Stripe, he grabs a police officer's gun and shoots the gremlin. <laughs> like, there's nothing more, like, gremlin are maybe the size of a toddler. There's nothing more, like, terrifying than a toddler with a gun. There's so much guns in this movie. It's, I forgot how many guns are in this movie. And it's crazy because all the gremlins know how to use them for some fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. But again, this movie's meant to be a comedy where you know you're able to overlook a lot of that stuff for the sake of humor. But yeah, the bar scene is a total like is totally crazy, and all for some reason all the gremlin know how to drink and smoke. Well, it's funny too because one of the things so so Steven Spielberg is is uh, listed as one of the producers on this movie, right? And I don't know if we ever talked about the movie Night Skies before on this podcast. I don't think so. Okay, so it might have night, come up. Nights, but... I think it might have come up when we did. Well, when we did our scare, like you know, uh, scary things that scared us that may not be, you know, it just like uh, you like mean these... when uh, ET scared the shit out of right, you, right? Exactly. And uh, the, so, so the movie Night Skies was something that Steel that Spielberg like pitched as some sort of like uh, distant sequel to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, I guess, like, they, Columbia Pictures wanted him to make a sequel to it. He wanted to come and make a sequel to it. Well, he didn't really want to make a sequel to it, but after he had seen what happened with Jaws, like, he kind of did decide that he wanted to, <laughs> to take a crack at it and just see, you know, if he could come up with a good idea. So mm-hmm. one of the ideas that he came up with was apparently based on an actual... Um, an actual recorded case of an alien encounter in Kentucky. And uh, it was like these little alien creatures that were attacking a farm in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So he basically took the idea of doing that where it's like, it was a bunch of like 
little evil aliens and it started off as like these like you know it's like okay well now the aliens have made contact with us there are a bunch of these little evil ones and all they do is like attack everyone and then somewhere in that idea like he came up with the idea of one polite gremlin who i guess befriends the autistic child in their family it's just I, I don't understand it it's like it's 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 i'd love to see that movie i think there's a part of me that would like to see that movie because i think there's it it's ripe for some horror elements in there but mm. essentially steven spielberg like took that and broke it off into three movies um the idea of the of the child that had a relationship with the supernatural that becomes that becomes poltergeist carol mm. ann and poltergeist and some of the evil spirits and all that kind of stuff. Um, the idea of the nice alien ends up becoming E.T. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of the little green men that attacked everyone in the town ends up becoming gremlins. So it's really, it's it's such an interesting concept for a movie because it spun off into three very big 80s like movies. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like that it's really interesting like now i kind of now you're right i kind of wanted that movie <laughs> now i'm hoping night skies actually does become a thing because that it captures the zeitgeist and it's like it captures our also our obsession with the supernatural on both ends whether it's like the ghosts or whether it's the uh paranormal and then or and of course cryptids because i mean to me that's what kremlins are is that they're cryptids right mm-hmm. oh man so um so anyway from from this scene i guess like they help kate escape this bar and um all the gremlins end up i don't know how they end up leaving the bar uh or what gets them to leave the bar but i guess at some point they have no idea where all the gremlins are right Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up escaping. Uh, that's where you get <laughs> Kate, Kate ends up telling Billy and Gizmo the very sad and tragic Christmas story. The reason why she hates Christmas because she brings it up several times in the movie why she hates it. It's super forced though. Like it comes <laughs> out, out of fucking left field. It's also super fucking horrifying. Like it, it really is like the darkest thing in here and maybe like the darkest dark humor moment of it is the fact that no one really is interested in like the story of her dad dying and everyone's just kind of like all right oh we need to hurry up and get back to whatever's happening right now yeah pretty much the story is that her dad dresses up as uh, (laughs) her dad i I hate laughing at it because it makes me feel like an asshole (laughs) but her dad dresses up as uh santa claus and he tries to like you know give katie the entire santa claus experience uh the thing is he disappeared on christmas eve and he never came back for christmas and what they found out was that he was actually stuck in the chimney and i guess he'd fallen and broken his neck and died in the chimney in which he was stuck in when he was trying to surprise his um his daughter um and they only discovered him because of the smell that they found in the chimney. It's it's horrifying that's when so you think about it. Dark, dude. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. It really is the darkest thing, and it's just so funny how they brush. Like the funniest part is exactly how they just brush it off. Yeah, Billy's like, babe, babe. <laughs> there's no one in town. 
we gotta kill these gremlins. <laughs> I don't know why he's Stallone in my, in my head. <laughs> but it's funny, too, because if you watch the new batch, like, they end up, like, they do another callback to that scene, except they make it a much, like, goofier story about, like, her saying why she hates President's Day, <laughs> implying that the reason why she hates that holiday is because a guy who's, who was wearing an Abe Lincoln hat with an Abe Lincoln beard, like, flashed her at a park when she was little <laughs> oh my god this poor girl's been like traumatized her entire life i know yeah for, and a, so after that we find out for some reason all the gremlins are in the movie theater trying to watch snow white <laughs> yes and of course this is one of those things that like my wife and i were talking it's like yes this could have happened in the 80s and it only could have happened because spielberg was involved in this the same reason why Warner Brothers and Disney characters like interacted with each other and who framed Roger Rabbit, it would never happen now. There is no no. way a Warner Brothers movie is going to have any kind of Disney intellectual property inside of it. (laughs) This really is such, it's maybe the most shocking scene in the movie because you're seeing like Disney stuff inside a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah, well, I think at this point, Disney had not yet become the soulless corporation. Well, had not completely become the soulless corporation it is now. No, I'm pretty sure they were still a soulless corporation. Well, that's they why just, they had They just become... weren't as massive as they are now. Yeah, well, you bitch, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> so, in a scene that I can only describe as the inspiration for the ending of inglorious bastards Billy... wait a minute yeah i'm drawing that line bitch i, I like i love when we do this i feel like I, I always love to picture like the incredulous look on the face of a listener when they hear some of the some of the comparisons that we make in the show oh oh man i am fucking there is one listener i have in mind friend of the show eddie because oh i know this is probably gonna piss him off because he loves inglorious bastards but yeah the fact that the fact that uh billy uh billy gizmo and katie like barricade the doors and then they set off an explosion (laughs) that then burns the entire like movie theater to the ground while the leader manages to get away the entire time i'm thinking whoa this is the ending to this is exactly the ending to fucking uh inglorious bastards because hans landa gets away <laughs> so stripe is hans landa yep stripe is hans landa jazz gremlin is probably hitler who gets shot in the face by <laughs> eli Roth. <laughs> No, keep going. I love this. <laughs> oh, that's still one of my favorite scenes in that movie. I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, Daffy, if he was in this movie, would be playing Goebbels, who ends up also getting burned to death. <laughs> Does that make uh, Gizmo Aldo Reigns? <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> Gizmo's Aldo Reign, Billy's BJ Novak, because I don't remember his name in that movie. I'm pretty sure he didn't even get a name. <laughs> but anyway stripe being the only gremlin that gets away they actually <laughs> ready for this dated reference they end up having their final st- uh standoff in a montgomery ward across oh the my goodness i am gonna absolutely date myself because i remember going to montgomery ward department stores 
all the fucking time when I was a kid. <laughs> I accidentally shoplifted it from a Montgomery Ward, and I remember my mom kicked the shit out of me because of it. Nice. <laughs> and it was funny because it, it was it was during Christmas time. It was one of those like like it was like a Santa hat, and I put it on. And I was wearing it the entire time we were in the store. And then when it came time for us to leave, we just both walked out, and I didn't realize I still had it on. And she was so pissed at me. <laughs> oh, I got I got my ass beat that day. <laughs> so anyway, back, so back to Montgomery Ward. <laughs> so you know they have a confrontation. Billy ends up fighting Stripe because <laughs> Stripe finds a chainsaw for some goddamn reason. <laughs> so uh, Stripe ends up taking the chainsaw and tries to kill Billy with it. Um, and Billy ends up defending himself using a baseball bat, but as Stripe's about to cut it, he ends up getting saved last minute by Gizmo, who rides in a RC car over, and he like hits uh, he hits um what's his name uh, Stripe with it. Uh, Stripe ends up grabbing a gun, uh, and starts shooting at them. Gizmo manages to open a skylight, which then exposes Stripe to the sunlight, and we finally get to see what happens to the uh to the gremlins when they're exposed to sun and he ends up like melting um really cool shot because like we, you know in, the, in this scene there's a like again one thing that people uh should remember and when this movie came out it's completely like like angel said earlier there's claymation shots there's a lot of use of animatronics a lot of use of stop motion this stuff was like the cutting edge as far as practical special effects goes so you get to see a lot of cool shots and that's what makes this movie really stand out for me is like the use of all those practical effects uh, in making the gremlins and making these really cool shots. So after uh, Stripe ends up fall, or, you know, melting to death, ends up falling in the water, which you know we get a nice fake out jump scare at the very end when uh, Stripe's lifeless corpse comes jumping out trying to bite at, a, uh, bite at Billy. So uh, our heroes end up returning back to the um, Peltzer house and Randall having missed the entire chaos of the siege of the gremlins on Kingston Falls uh, ends up making it home to find his family all tired and all messed up. Um, And at the end of the rampage, they actually get, they actually get a visit from Mr. Wing the guy who originally owned Gizmo. So he comes back and he claim and you know he claims that the family was unprepared and irresponsible and could not be charged with taking care of a Mogwai. Um, but he does note that because of Gizmo's connection to Billy and how he did care for him, that there may be a day where Billy can come back and get uh Gizmo and they can be friends again. Um Billy ends up letting Gizmo go back with Mr. Wing after Gizmo uh, gets that cute little moment where he says, uh, uh, where he like says his goodbye. Um, and then, yeah, we get the shot, the really weird shot where I'm still trying to figure out if it's like a matte painting in the background or what it is. I figured you could tell me more about it. But Honestly, that- it looks like a matte painting to me. Right. Well, it's super weird because it's like there's a matte painting on what looks like the foreground and the background, but it's still like an active, like, you know, it's like an active scene because you still see Mr. Wing and uh, walking, like, 
Yeah, you know, it's cool. I like it. it I don't know how they pulled it off. I was like, that's a really cool shot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, roll credits. Oh, and the film ends with the voiceover of Randy Pelton. Uh, Peltzer, sorry. I keep saying Pelton. I don't know why. <laughs> of Randy Peltzer talking about uh, the rules and if that, of course, if there's anything ever going wrong in your house, be careful because it could be a gremlin. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> So, Javi, do you like gremlins? Oh, hell yeah. I love gremlins. <laughs> there's, no way that, there's no way that anyone could reasonably believe that we were going to say we don't like gremlins. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really dark classic. <laughs> like, like it, It's one of those movies that it's just like, it's, you can sneak it into being a kid movie so you can watch it with your kid or your young My like, daughter sneak. watched it. My daughter is like not even three yet and <laughs> the scene in the in the kitchen scared the shit out of her but there's enough stuff in there like the gizmo scene and like you know watching them all take down stripe and then like the scene where they're all in the snow like in the snow white movie like there's enough of that stuff where it it keeps it light enough so nothing really scares her too much but then there's also stuff in it that's just dark and frightening for kids so yes it makes sense that a completely new rating was created for this movie because this movie is just such a hybrid of a you know kid-friendly uh, kind of like you know Spielberg movie, while at the same time being something that was darker and more mature. And I think it opened the door for stuff later, like Beetlejuice, right? Or like a lot of these other Ghostbusters. Like, remember? Yeah, like Fucking... horror horror comedies were big in the eighties. Like people, like people forget, man, that a lot. Like people think, look back at movies like Gremlins, and they're like, "Those movies are so wholesome in the '80s." And it's like, "Nah, dude, these movies are—they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty edgy." And it's like, "Fright Night is kind of like that too." Fright Night is. Fright Night is like that. Oh yeah, Fright Night has a lot of like crazy violent scenes. Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. <laughs> Ghostbuster. <laughs> Like you have the Monster Squad where they're talking about a five-year-old kid's virginity. <laughs> like, there's a lot of like movies in the '80s that there's a lot of these horror comedy movies uh, that got a huge boom because of a film like Gremlins. Something that couldn't happen if it wasn't for Gremlins, where these movies are just family-friendly enough they can get away with watching them with you know younger with your kids, younger Stranger siblings. Things. You know, just if we want to talk about stuff that's more modern too, it's just. You know, these are all inspired by movies like this. Oh, yeah. You want middle schoolers that swear? <laughs> there was movies doing it before Stranger Things, y'all. <laughs> Corey Feldman has been doing it for decades. <laughs> I can just imagine Corey Feldman just being super bitter and angry. at the Like, he just looks at the kid that plays Dustin and be like, I've been doing this shit for years. <laughs> uh. All right, so uh, yeah, we'd like to thank everybody for joining us for this other episode uh, for you know for the Christmas season, and we appreciate everyone who's been you know rolling with the podcast for this year. We only have one more episode for the year of 2020, which is year two of our podcast, our second full year of the show, and uh, because we wanted to pick a movie that took place on new year's eve much like we did new year's evil last year this year we are going to do the 2003 remake to assault on precinct 13 starring ethan hawk and uh my goodness why lawrence fishburne 
and John Leguizamo and who can forget about <laughs> I feel like you Powerhouse. you like go out of your way to mention that Ja Rule is in this movie <laughs> shakes fist at heavens Ja Rule <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for joining us for this episode. Please continue to interact with us on social media and uh, send us, you know, uh, reviews on Apple podcasts so we can, you know, grow the exposure of the program. But yeah, um, we're going to need all of y'all to send as many uh, reviews our way as you can on Apple podcasts because Angel accidentally viral. It pissed off a lot of conservatives. No, and I mean, yes, I did, but that did, didn't translate to more. It didn't translate to negative reviews on. Nah, shut site. up. We're gonna get review bombed. So the only way to stick it to them is if you guys go and give us really good reviews, and just be like, I don't know. You don't even have to write anything. You just put and be like, hey, you know. Just be like pants twenty twenty sweatpants twenty twenty. I don't know. I, I I was trying to think of something clever. I'm tired. <laughs> All right. So uh we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, later, y'all. Peace. Happy holidays. <laughs>